Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Wrapping up a series uh, which is on the New Testament book of the Bible called Philippians. Now, if you're new to church, uh, the Bible's made up of a lot of different writings, so various authors um, across the centuries, all inspired by the one Holy Spirit as they wrote. And so Philippians, like many books uh, of the Bible, is written as a letter from Paul, who's one of the early church leaders, to this church that's located in the city of Philippi. And Paul, as he's writing this, as we've discussed over the last few weeks, is he's actually writing this letter from prison to a people who are facing uh, external pressures coming around their lives and, and persecution, but also internal pressures and conflicts. And so as, as we've mentioned, if we could uh, sum up maybe the theme of Philippians, we, we've summed it up this way, uh, defiant joy, defiant joy. That is joy that's not dependent on a certain set of circumstances or, or situations going our way, that joy is not linked to something eternal for all our you know, ducks being lined up in the right way, but rather it's anchored in something. Actually, it's anchored in someone that is greater than us, and that is God himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. And so as people who, uh, who follow Christ, who follow Jesus, we are called to carry joy to rejoice no matter the situation. We don't, we don't, we're, we're not silly. We don't, we don't rejoice um, because of the challenging situation. Like, we don't have to like, you know, Christianify it and, you know, like, ah, oh, praise the Lord. That, I don't know, I always go for an American accent when I do that. But anyway, but, you know, like, you know, praise the Lord. My, my car blew up and then I defaulted on the mortgage and then, you know, but, but praise God. No, no, we're not silly like that. But what we do, we, we don't rejoice in the challenges, but we rejoice in a hope that's just like we sung about, that's found in Jesus Christ, someone bigger and greater than us. We rejoice because of Jesus. And so today for the last week of the series, we're in, we're in chapter four, so the final chapter of Philippians. And the section that we're going to focus on is Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 through to 9. Uh, this will be on the screen behind me. I'll read it to you. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, Paul, the writer of Philippians, he's He's wrapping up all his thoughts at the end of this letter in the, in the, in the last chapter. And, and in the chapter, as you, um, you know, as you read it, you'll find that it moves between you know, specific instructions to the church. There's a, there's a disagreement between two people. He, he thanks the church for partnering with him in giving and receiving. And then it has sections like the one we just read, uh, where Paul is giving a, a final encouragement and instruction uh, to people. He tells the church, remember he's telling them this from prison, 
Don't worry about anything. Instead, really important word there. Really important word. In, in fact, if I was going to give a title for this message that wasn't Philippians 4, it can be that as well. I, I'd call this, this message just that single word, instead. Instead. You see, a, um, a key to Bible study is that when you read a um, passage of Scripture, say if you read a, uh, a whole chapter, uh, a, a great way to understand what's going on is to, is to look for what, um, uh, what we call a hinge verse or in this case, because it's a, uh, a smaller passage, what we call a, a hinge word. And, and so what that is, is that's a, that's a verse or, or a word that, um, that really just, just directs the passage, that because of that verse or that word, uh, the, rest of the, the rest of the scripture hangs, hence why it's called a hinge, um, hangs on that verse or that word. Um, it, it's a word that, that jumps out at you and helps to direct what's going on. And, and I don't know about you, but as I was reading, Reading this section of scripture this week and thinking about this passage, I came back to that word time and time again instead. Paul says, Don't worry about anything, instead. As we read that, that word should make us sort of like, you know, sit up straight in our seats, get ready and go, Okay, he's, he, he said not to worry. Here's the, here's the instruction that he's going to give us. Uh, about what we should do. If we're not going to worry, then instead, he's going to give us something else. But, but before we just get to the solution, and I'm sure we can all uh, identify uh, with this, but you've probably all felt worry around our own hearts and in the world. You've probably felt this, and it's amazing how insightful the Bible is when it comes to, to understanding the human condition. You know, so the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write these words nearly 2,000 years ago. And as he writes them, and this letter is penned and sent to this church in Philippi, and the, and the Philippians are there reading it, and he, and he says, um, you know, do not worry, or some versions will say, do not be anxious. They're like, yeah, okay, that's great. And you know, in just the same way, nearly 2,000 years later, as we read this, these words are just as applicable to us today as they are to the Philippians so long ago. We, we live in a very different context to that church, yet we too live in a world full of worry and full of anxiety. Uh, pastor and cultural analyst Mark Sayer, uh, in his book, which is called Non-Anxious Presence, he writes about anxiety not just being on an individual level, but uh, on a systems level uh, across our society. He says this, uh, this is a quote, he says, in our day, Anxiety has become one of the significant ailments of our world. Yet it is also a signal, an alarm, that something is desperately wrong in our world. We must differentiate between the individual mental health challenge of anxiety, which a minority of individuals in every culture experience, and the systematic anxiety that our contemporary culture's structures create. You see, he comments in this section of the book um, that functional, healthy institutions in society, that they, that they play a role to absorb anxiety on a societal level. So institutions, they help to pass on wisdom, to collectively conquer challenges, and they, and they centralise like critical knowledge that, that we need to know. If we think of it this way, think about how a healthy a uh, functioning medical system can allay our fears about different health challenges. But the thing is that the current cultural moment that we're in is all about devaluing and pulling down 
many institutions. Add to that the many failings, controversies, and, and horrible revelations coming out of business, entertainment, religious, and educational institutions, and we find that what happened is that anxiety that was previously absorbed by these, by, by these institutions, they now, it now falls on individuals. Add to that, throw in the fact that you can hear about every conflict, every horrific event, every public figure failure from across the globe, all through the thing that's probably either sitting in your bag or in your pocket or you're on now taking notes and definitely not on Instagram or TikTok or anything, anything like that. And you see that this is the cultural air that we breathe. It's the water that we're swimming in. It's why Paul's instruction of do not worry instead means so much to us today, just like it did nearly 2,000 years ago. You know, this world may be fearful, anxious, and deconstructing everything to make the self of most importance, but Jesus is calling us to something different. Here's some of Jesus' words from while he was on earth. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says this, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus again in Matthew 11, verse 28, says, And Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Again, Paul in Romans 12 verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I feel like that verse is just another way of saying instead. Instead. You know, we may live in an anxious, worry-filled world, but we are, we are not going to be conformed to that type of world. We're not going to be conformed to that standard of living. That just like an aeroplane will need to break through the, um, the turbulence and the, shutter, and the shuddering of the plane as it goes through the clouds to go to a greater altitude, God has called us to higher ways and higher thoughts so that we can fly above the anxiety and the worry of this world and live a different way. So back to Philippians 4 verse 6. Paul said, don't worry about anything instead. And then here's the solution. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. You see, Paul says the, the remedy instead of worrying is it's time to pray. And then I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It describes prayer in these two ways. It says, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. You see, there, there's power in prayer not only when we give our future and current situation to Him, but also when we give Him honour and thanksgiving for what He has done in our lives. Because of Jesus, you have been brought into a relationship with God. 
If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, at the point of that, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That your eternity is set with God. That you have a promise and a hope like we spoke on last week that goes infinitely beyond this world. You see, you couldn't do it on your own. We didn't do it by our own good works. It was only by believing and placing our trust in Jesus Christ. Because of His sacrifice and victory on the cross, we can have a bold confidence to approach God. A bold confidence. You know, I don't know everyone's personal histories here. Obviously, I'm sure across a room this size, there's maybe many um, you know, challenging and, and, and tragic personal histories uh, that, that, that we've all had. But maybe as you look back and, and reflect on the past, I'm sure you can see somewhere in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the challenge, that there was God's hand was in it, that God's hand was there guiding you that His hand was there protecting you, that His hand was there filling you with purpose and, and, and filling you with hope. Um, you see, Paul is saying instead of being like the world and living in worry, we can thank God for what He has done and the second part, we can make requests to Him. And we make requests, not like we're, you know, an employee trying to ask the boss for a pay rise and say, well, you know, I really should get a pay rise because, you know, I work really hard and I turn up on time most of the time and I stay late, you know, and I get everything done and I'm proactive and I'm, you know, good team player and all, all that sort of stuff. We don't approach God like an employee trying to get a, um, you know, a wage increase. We approach God like a child with a parent, a child with a father. We come to Him knowing that He wants to give us all that we need. Maybe not all that we want. He always gives in line with His Word and His purpose. But we come to Father not, um, you know, not trying to negotiate, not trying to talk ourselves up, not with our resume with a few you know, little extra you know, elaborated parts that we've, that we've put on it or, or anything like that. No, no, we come to Him as children ready to receive from our Father. As a child asks a father, we tell God what we need. We let him know the current situation, not because God is unaware. In fact, God already knows what we need before we ask, but his desire is that we would have a relationship with him. His desire is that we would move from self-reliance to relying on him. And that is what prayer does. It moves us from relying on ourselves to relying on on God. Philippians 4 again, verse 6 again, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a, what a promise. Peace. Peace is the promise that God gives. God's, God's peace, another version describes it as peace that transcends all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A sense of God's wholeness will fill you. But, but here's the thing. The Bible contains many of these passages where there's a principle and then there's a promise. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, basically there's an action, there's a responsibility that we have to put into place which connects us with God so that we can live in His ways and receive His promise for our lives. You see, too often Christians, and I've been guilty of this as well, we all have, we know the promise 
Oh, God's peace. Yeah, I'm just saying that God's peace is going to guard my heart and, and, and my mind. That's, that's what the Bible says. Yes, it is what the Bible says. That's the promise. But it's also a principle that we need to put into place so that we receive the promise. I know lots of P's in there. But, you know, as, as we do that, trying to not sound like Stephen Furtick. Anyway, but as we do that, um, there's something powerful that happens. See, we can't just know the, what the promises of God are. We need to put into our lives the principles of His Word. And as we do that, we get to live in those promises. You see, we, 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 what's, the, what's the principle? The principle is instead pray about everything. Let your requests be made known to God. You see, the peace of God flows from a connectedness to Him in prayer. The peace of God flows from that. It's not just sent by God willy-nilly, but out of a relationship that we have with Him, His peace will then flow. Does, does, does God have peace that He wants to fill your troubled heart with? Absolutely. Absolutely He does. And the way that He works that is through the power of prayer, through you and me opening up our lives to Him, taking off our masks before God, coming in humility and saying, I can't do this on my own. In fact, God, I'm going to give you the praise and thanksgiving for where I am right now because I know that I didn't bring myself this far in my own strength, that it was because of you working in my life. You know, not everyone will have the same story as me, but, um, but I grew up with uh, my mum taking me and my two younger brothers um, to church every week and because of my vintage um, in my teenage years, that was, the, that was the 90s. And if you're around then, you may remember the um, very fashionable uh, wristbands, the WWJD wristbands. Who, who, who remembers those? Yes. I had a hyper-colour one because uh, I was just that cool, just so, just so you know, in case you're, in, in case you're wondering. And um, so if, if you're unfamiliar with the whole deal about the WWJD uh, band, it was, a, it was a reminder, particularly maybe to young people, that you know, when you're walking home from school and maybe the, uh, the cool kids are like, hey, do you want to come and smoke a cigarette behind the public toilets with us? You would go, oh, maybe I do. And then you would look at your wrist and go, hold on, what would Jesus do? Okay, he wouldn't smoke with the cool kids, so I will go somewhere else, home to mum, have her baked scones and everything will be better and I'll go to heaven. You know, that, that, that's, that, was, sort of the, that was sort of the understanding of what would Jesus do. Um, but, you know, there's actually, um, Dallas Willard talks about, there's actually a much more important question than what would Jesus do. A better question, he says, to ask is how would Jesus live yeah. in each and every moment? You see, because when we ask the question, what would Jesus do? What, what we're sort of saying is that we're going to go about our everyday lives uh, we're going to you know, go to work, go to school, do whatever we do, you know, do the washing, do the drying up, you know, mow the lawn, whatever, whatever we're doing. We're going to go about our everyday lives. Then sometimes we're going to get to a crossroad, going to go, ah, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, smoke the cigarette with the cool kids or, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. Take the shortcut in business so that my integrity is compromised or, you know. And, and so it, it gives us this picture that we just live our lives as normal. Then we come to a decision or a crossroad and we have to stop and say, okay, just a second. What would Jesus do in this situation? But that's not actually how God has called us to live. He, he hasn't called us to go about our everyday lives and then stop and make a decision about how you would live. In fact, that's not how Jesus lived. He had habits and patterns and rhythms that built him, 
that placed him before the transforming power of Father God. And then rather than having to stop and think, you know, Jesus wasn't there like, okay, look at my wristband. Okay, what would I do in this situation? You know, like, no, no, no. Jesus was connected to the Father. John 15 speaks about this. He was connected to the Father so that he didn't have to stop and think, okay, what would Jesus do or what would I do? No, no. He would just step forward into the, the plan and the purpose that God has for his life. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have to stop and make decisions, but what I am saying is that God hasn't just called us to pray about certain spots when we get to a crossroads. He has called us to live a life of prayer, a lifestyle that just like Jesus, we would respond out of a life that was connected to God each and every day. And that's what Paul's saying in this passage about prayer. He's saying, live a life of prayer. Pray about everything. Stay connected to God in relationships. So in a little time I've got left, how, how can we do this? How can we build a life that's different from the world that doesn't conform to the patterns and customs, but has an instead of prayer over worry. Number one is this. These will be very simple, but trust me, I think, I th I think they're good. Number one is this. Place yourself in environments of prayer. Place yourself in environments of prayer. Okay, shameless plug. We have prayer meeting here on a Friday morning from 6 till 7 a.m. every week of the, school, uh, of the school term. I can guarantee you, nearly guarantee you, that if you would commit to being here at prayer meeting on a Friday morning, that it would increase your prayer life. Why can I guarantee that? Because there's something about placing yourself in an environment of prayer. I know that I have a greater prayer life when I'm here on Fridays, most of the time because I have to be, but you know, I, I know that I, ha I, I, I have a greater prayer life coming here than I would staying at home. Uh, why? Because there's encouragement, around. It's like, you know, if you're a, a gym person, you've got a gym buddy, when you don't feel like going in there, like, hey, meet you down there in 10 minutes. You're like, oh, that's right. Yes. Going go, go in, there's something about accountability that comes in community. And so I, I, I want to encourage you, if you can get here, get here. I know that Friday mornings may not work for you because of early work commitments or children to get ready, etc. Um, but if I can lovingly challenge you, if it's just because you don't like getting up early, um, can I challenge you that your prayer life will go up a level. You'll be connected to God in a greater way as you commit to being here on a Friday morning. The promise from God, remember, is more peace, less worry. We need to place ourselves in environments of prayer. That's why life groups are so powerful that we will gather together with like-minded people who will uh, pray with us, who will pray for us, who will open the Word of God with us, who will, who will do life with us. There's something about placing yourself in those environments that helps us in prayer. Uh, I know I'm literally preaching to the converted because you're here on a Sunday morning. But can I encourage you that the more consistent you are with gathering together with the saints on a Sunday morning will increase your prayer life. Why? Because there's encouragers around here. We worship together. You've seen, we're going to take a moment in prayer in a couple of minutes. There's, there's, there's prayer time that happens. Why? Because we've committed to being in an environment of prayer. When you place yourself in an environment of prayer, it's amazing. Prayer just happens more often. For many of us, the most important decision 
will be to commit to an environment that encourages prayer. It could be meeting with a friend where you pray together, you know, once a fortnight or something. It could be going to a certain place, uh, a lookout, uh, a beach walk, something that tells yourself, I am now setting time aside to connect with God and pray. Maybe for you on the drive home, it's like, okay, I'm going to drive home from work. I'm going to, I don't know, pull over at the beach at San Remo. I'm going to put my worship music on and for 10 minutes I'm going to pray. As we, as we commit to something like that, to place ourselves in an environment of prayer, can I tell you what will happen? Prayer will increase. Your connectedness with God will increase and God will fill you with peace because that's His promise as we stay connected to Him. So number one, really simple, place yourself in environments of prayer. Maybe the uh, worship team can come as we get ready to, um, as we get ready to wrap up. Uh, number two is this. Also very simple, uh, pray read the Bible. Pray read the Bible. I'll explain what I mean by that. But I'm convinced that the two biggest obstacles um, to prayer for people are first, setting aside the time to and creating the environment to actually do it. And number two, knowing what to say. On, honestly, from, you know, I'm, no, I don't look super old, hopefully, but from my pastoral experience, those are the two things that people struggle the most with when it comes to prayer, setting aside time and then actually knowing what to say. You see, the Bible is many things, and so many parts of it are actually a prayer book, particularly the Psalms. Many of, of David's and others' Psalms, uh, they, they give us the words that we can pray. So I, I want to encourage you if, you, if you struggle to know, uh, like you don't know what to pray, you, you get to that and you're like, right, I'm praying. And then you, you're like, okay, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. You're like, whoa, man, that must have been like an hour of prayer. You're like, oh, 30 seconds since I started. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you struggle knowing what to pray, um, take, out, take out your phone or notepad or something. Can I give you three psalms that are, that are really simple to help pray? Three psalms. Psalm 1. Psalm 23, Psalm 103. If you, if you don't know what to pray, I encourage you, read those psalms. And, and, and what you do is you, you read it, but you turn it into a prayer. You see, Psalm 23 starts with this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so what we do in prayer, when we pray, read that, I know this may seem very simple and very basic, but you know what? When we put the foundations in our life, it's amazing. It's amazing what God does. As you take that, you go, okay, God, I thank You. You are my shepherd. I thank You, Lord, that Your Word says, I shall not want. God, I, I just receive that in prayer. I receive that in prayer, that I shall not want. You know, and as you do that, there's something that starts to give you the words in prayer. Say, God, you, you, you're my shepherd, Lord. You, you have all I need. I'll follow you. I'll listen to your voice. Um, you may not be a, uh, a music person, but I heard someone describe it like this the other day. They said, they said praying like this is, um, praying through the Bible like this is, is a little bit like, like jazz music. They said, so... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So, so you pray the, they say you read the Scripture. That's the, that, that, that's the chord, that's the main bit. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then after that, there's the little, they say when they pray, there's a little improvisation afterwards. You know, that's the little Miles Davis trumpet solo. After it, so it's like, 
boom, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, C7, you know, at nine, sharp five, whatever. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then it's like, you know, the little Miles Davis trumpet side of the top. Okay, so I declare that over my life, God. I thank you that you are my shepherd. I thank you that I will follow you. I will follow you. You are leading me. God, I thank you right now that you're a shepherd. I'm a sheep. I'm going to listen to your voice, God. I'm going to follow your ways. And as we do that, we start to build a life of prayer, a life that connects us with God. So for you this week, what's going to be your instead moment? You know, do not worry. Instead, I'm going to be here on Friday mornings for prayer meeting. Do not worry. Instead, I'm going to go back to life group. I'm going to join a life group for the first time. You know, do not worry. Instead, okay, every morning I'm starting with Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the, uh, stand in the place of the scornful. You know, what's your instead going to be? You know, do not worry. Instead, on the drive home, I'm pulling in the blue bay. I'm looking at the waves and I'm saying, God, I thank you for your creation. I thank you for your power and your rest and your peace that's filling my life. Remember, there is a promise of God's peace, His peace that transcends all understanding. And it's lying on the other side of a prayerful relationship with God. So right now, I'm going to ask you to stand together. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to do we're going to do two things. We're going, to, we're going to pray. We're going to declare our needs, our requests to Him. And then we're going to give Him praise. So right now across this place, maybe you might want to do something with your body that puts you in a sort of prayer frame of mind. Maybe you want to lift your hand. Maybe you want to just put your hands out. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to close your eyes. But right now, God, we thank You. Lord, like Your Word declares, we make our requests known to you. Whatever they are, would you just start to speak them out? Would you, would you just start to say, God, I, I need healing in my body. God, I thank you that you fill me. God, I thank you that you make a way in my finances where it doesn't seem like a way. God, I thank you. You restore the relationship of mine with my son. I, I thank you that you move in my life. God, I thank you. You give me the strength at school when everyone else is going one way. God, I'm going to commit to following you. Would you make your requests known to God? Make your requests known to God. Tell God what you need. And then the final thing that Scripture said was thank Him for what He was done, for what He was done. We're going to give Him praise.